The pandemic has taken a toll on the physical health of many people. It's taken an even larger toll on the mental health of everyone, making self-care even more important than ever. Today, I'm looking forward to diving deep into the impact that the pandemic has on the mental health of adults and children alike. We're joined by Dr. Jennifer Hartstein, a mental health expert and author. She works with children, teens, and families and how to treat their needs. We'll talk about staying socially connected while being physically separate during the pandemic. We'll also encourage everyone to be creative in the ways you can stay connected to one another. All this and more on this episode of Be Healthistic. Welcome to Be Healthistic, the podcast that's more than just health and wellness information. It's here to help you explore your options across traditional and natural medicine so that you can make informed decisions for you and your family. This podcast illuminates the whole story about holistic health by providing access to the expertise of Dr. Steve and Drew Sinatra, who together have decades of integrative health experience. Be Healthistic is powered by our friends at Healthy Directions. Now, let's join our hosts. Hi, folks. If you like what you hear today and you want to listen to future conversations on all things integrative and holistic health, subscribe to our podcast at BeHealthisticPodcast.com. Also, check out and subscribe to the Healthy Directions YouTube channel, which features video versions of our episodes plus extra videos you won't want to miss. And finally, we have more with me, Dr. Drew Sinatra, my dad, Dr. Steve Sinatra, and other health experts at HealthyDirections.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Be Healthistic. Today in the podcast, we're welcoming Dr. Jennifer Hartstein, a nationally recognized mental health professional who works with children, adolescents, and their families with a wide range of psychological diagnoses. With her extensive background, we knew she'd be the perfect expert to talk about how these very uncertain times are affecting the physical and mental health of our kids, and by extension, our families. We're really eager to discuss this topic with Dr. Jen, because like every parent is probably feeling right now, we wonder how this pandemic and all the resulting factors are impacting our kids and teens. And we're really eager to share ways to keep them feeling safe, healthy, and happy. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thanks for having me. Lots to cover. (laughs) Lots to cover. Lots to cover. Is there anything that you want to start off with? I mean, I, of course, have lots of questions for you, but is there something (laughs) burning in your mind that you want to just lead off with? No, you know, I'm glad you guys are having the conversation. I think, um, you know, we're just really seeing the tip of the iceberg as to what's potentially going to happen. So having the conversation as much as we can, I think, is really where we got to start. So let's just jump on in. Well, you know, my dad and I have talked a lot about the the physical, um, you know, issues that are occurring from the virus itself, like all the cases we're having, the deaths, you know, with comorbidities associated with them. We've talked a little bit about the mental health piece, but really, you're here today to really dive into that. So right. what are you seeing as mental health effects from coronavirus with your your patient population? Well, there's a lot. And, you know, there actually was just a study that came out. I don't know if you've seen it about the fact that just having coronavirus, you know, kind of aside from the mental health factors of living in quarantine and all that, we're seeing some absolute mental health issues kind of coming out of even being diagnosed. So people are seeing kind of more post-traumatic stress disorder and depression and anxiety and some dementia because we know that there's that brain fog. So Mm. we're starting to see some research on kind of just the mental health impact of being someone who had, you know, COVID and maybe is better, but there is some lag. So there's some connection between the physical and the mental just automatically. 
But then for the rest of us, maybe who aren't getting sick, but are living in this crazy time, we're seeing an absolute increase. And I think when we first went into quarantine in March and April, you know, there was an 800 plus percent call increase in calls to like suicide hotlines and, right, I've and heard depression. About that. Yeah. Depression and anxiety mm-hmm. rates have increased four times as much as we would expect them to increase. And this is across all ages. Mm-hmm. The age that I think we're seeing it the most is kind of that young adult, 18 to 25 yeah. college age, just coming out of college. How do they get a job? What do they do? How do they have a life kind of yeah. age? Um, but I think what we're also seeing is such isolation, right? These kids aren't in, not, and this isn't true all across the country. In New York, there's a lot of hybrid learning. So you have, they sometimes get one day in school, but if the numbers continue to rise, public schools are going to close. And if they keep going up, you know, private schools are going to close. So I think the thing we're seeing is how do we navigate isolation? How do we encourage our young people to be together safely mm-hmm. and to continue to take this seriously? Because I have, clients and friends who are saying that their teens are so COVID fatigued that they're kind of like, I don't care if I have to wear a mask anymore. I'm just not going to. So mm-hmm. <laughs> how do we keep them like thinking about it, even though they don't want to think about it anymore? And that's a big struggle. Yeah, exactly. And what about this population you mentioned from 18 to 25? I mean, there's so much going on there because it seems like <laughs> they're getting out of school and they have their life ahead of them. And all of a sudden they can't do the things that they've wanted to do for so long. How do you approach that? You know, I think a lot of it is, is I work a lot on practicing radical acceptance, right? Which I think every person in this country right now has to be practicing on some level. And it's a lot about recognizing, okay, what can I do? What are my limitations? Hmm. How do I work towards accepting it? Even if I don't like it, because we don't have to like the things we accept. We just have to accept them. So, so there's a lot of conversation about that. And, And my clients that are in college, Maybe they're on campus, but they're on campus doing remote learning. Yeah. So they're not having the same college experience you or I probably had of mm-hmm. getting to go to a party or being in a sorority or fraternity or just sitting on the quad with a group of people. Like, so they're really struggling with figuring out how to connect. Yeah. Um, and so it's, and, and the truth is, as the person who's trying to guide them, I don't really have a basis of comparison of that. You know, I don't know yeah. what that's like. So, so we're slogging through it together and, And I think um, allowing young people to sit in their disappointment right now is probably the hardest job a parent has. Yeah. And how do you how do you bring up this radical acceptance? I mean, because I'm sure that people (laughs) meet that with tremendous resistance. They do. You know, we all I mean, think about it as an adult who's enjoying what's happening right now. Right. I mean, I think we're all kind of have our best. I'll speak for myself. I have my best two year old self every once in a while where I just want to stomp my feet and bang my hands on the table and be like, I don't want this anymore. So there's a lot of permitting that and then kind of shifting and using kind of the, the transition of, and instead of, but of like, yes, this really sucks. And since there's nothing we can do about it, Mm -hmm. what can we do to make the best of the situation? And we have to turn our mind back to that a lot, but if we can practice that as hard as it is, we suffer, we intrinsically suffer less. Yeah. You know, I, I, if I can be like, okay, this is what it is. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <sighs> okay. And then you can problem solve. But if all I'm like, this is awful and I don't like it and I don't want it, I'm just stuck in this kind of ongoing sea of frustration and it doesn't really help me do anything else. Right. And what kinds of recommendations are you making for these, for these folks? I mean, like, do you say, well, exercise more, talk to your friends more? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, so what, what are you recommending? 
Yes and yes. I say both of those things. And I think I think we we really were done a disservice when we went into quarantine and we were told we had to social distance. It's a disservice. We don't have to socially distance. We have to no. physically physically distance. distance correct. Yes. Right. And so so <laughs> I re- it's totally a misnomer. Yeah. And I reframe that to the clients that I work with all the time. I'm like, if you can luckily in New York, especially when when it was warmer, right, you could go to the park and put down a blanket and be close, but not clo- so close and still be with your friends or go for a walk or do something where you can be outside and be engaged. And then, you know, I think across the country, we can do that. So it's not about kind of not being social. And I think we all got a little weird about that. So it's how can you stay connected, right? Can you FaceTime? Can you talk? Rather than just texting and and kind of living behind the the screen, make some contact, Um, move your bodies, make sure you're eating well, you know, don't forget to do the things you like to do. If you like to play an instrument, keep doing that. Can you, people are being so creative in how they're making music together online or taking a dance class online, or we're just, you know, think outside the box. So I think there's a lot of encouraging young people to be creative, which they inherently are. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like they are inherently people who think outside the box. So put that to good use. And so there's a lot of, you know, figuring that. And then I think there's a lot of validation of, how this isn't what you want. And it's really a big bummer. And so if you need yeah. a day to like lay on the couch and watch really bad, stupid TV, like go for it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> and how do you address the elephant in the room, which in my opinion is the social media piece, because you might've seen that uh, documentary, the, the uh, social mm-hmm. dilemma on Netflix. Yep. Fantastic. I really thought there was some amazing points that were made in there. Um, and and this, with this population, these 18 to 25 year olds are probably using social media a lot more these days because they have more time to do it. Do you have any conversation around that, around maybe sure. you shouldn't be using as much? Are there time limits that you suggest for it? So what's funny is the 18 to 25 year olds, interestingly, are a little burnt out on social media. The like 13 <laughs> yeah. to 18 year olds are like TikTok, Snapchat, like, whew, you can't, I can't keep up. I mean, right. like I learned of a new, new app the other day that was like, a, like a writing app. I never even heard of it. And I'm like, oh. I'm constantly learning about new things. It's, it's crazy. So, um, between, you know, there's like discord and Snapchat and Twitch and TikTok, And then I can't even remember what the other one was that I learned recently, but there's so much to keep up with. And that's how they communicate. So we have to remember, like, if I take, if I say to you, don't do it, and that's how you're communicating with your friends. I'm not giving you another outlet. There could be a problem there. So I want to be mindful. Mm-hmm. We want to, as, as adults in the lives of these kids, set healthy boundaries and recognize that they are just on, like all your screen time rules, like for all of us who've been saying, decrease screen time out the window because school is online and mm-hmm. learning is online and communication is online. So we're kind of out of luck. So yeah. I think the key thing is to say, look, set aside digital free time in your house. And maybe that's true for all of us because I don't know about you, Drew, but I'm on all those sites more just because I'm home and and available, right? I'm not sitting out at dinner or going to a concert or to a play or any of that stuff. So maybe it's it's about just creating rules in your house that from eight to nine every night, digital free time, we all have to do something together or, you know, we're going to watch, even if it's like watching a movie together, but all the phones are someplace else. Um, I think it's creating new rules because the old rules just don't stand. Yeah, I like that because uh, for us, we allow our kids to watch TV on the weekends only at this point because mm-hmm. weekdays are off limits. Uh, and fortunately, our kids are able to go to school um, 100% in person. We actually moved That's up awesome. to um, we moved up to British Columbia to be closer to my wife's family 
during this time. And um, our colleagues down in California, their their kids aren't they haven't been back to school yet. Um, nope. And and as two you know as parents that are we work two jobs and uh, we're very busy with our lives, we found it practically impossible to have our kids yeah. home all day and and work and um, not have them being on the television all day. So. Yeah, what we do is we have them watch TV on the weekends and we, of course, do what you just said. We, we try to spend as much time with them in the evenings as we can while balancing our work life and all that. But it's I think it's a challenge for everyone. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And I think I think we we kind of are like, put your kids first. But, you know, there is the old adage, right? If you don't put on your own oxygen mask, you yes. can't take care of anybody else. Right. So. So I think as parents, it's so important to stop and say, like, what do I need? It's okay to ask yourself that question, right? So, so if moving to a place where your kids could be in school full time was what real, and you were able to do that without much disruption to your life, and that's what worked for you, awesome. You know, like, if I need to hand my kid a screen so that I can eat my dinner in peace and have five minutes of quiet in my house, awesome. I mean, I think we got to like all of the judgment that's been go that goes on just needs to go away. 2020 is judgmental enough as a year. And so like it comes down to doing what works and whatever that is, it it has to be okay. And I think for parents, like give yourself a big break. It's stressful, right? I'm working. I'm, I'm, I've become a teacher when I wasn't what I wanted to be. You know, I, I've, I'm learning math that I don't understand. And I didn't understand in high school. And here I am doing it again. You know, I mean, I'm supporting a kid in college who's struggling with making friends because it's just so uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. when do you exhale? So I think it's going to, everybody just has to do what works. That's such a great point. And, and from, from what we do, uh, let's say it's a weeknight and I've got a call to make and my wife can't take care of the kids. I'll say, you guys can watch something involving nature. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I feel like at least they're getting some exposure to learning about animals or plants or the trees Great. or the oceans. And then they're not watching some kind of a cartoon where they get completely lost. But yeah, um, I think, yeah, I think there's ways to approach, you know, if you do need a moment to get away and your child needs to watch something, well, have it be educational in some way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have it be educational have it be a game that they can play together. You know, if there's more than one kid, like something that they, can they create something? Can you give them crayons? I mean, we all grew up where our parents needed to do something, like needed us to do something and we didn't all get put in front of screens. So, so we, you know, kind of come up with a toolkit when you're feeling calm enough to have that at your ready so that you don't, you know, and I think, you know, guilt is, a really insidious emotion, right? If, If everyone's doing the best they can. And I think in 2020, pretty much all of us are just doing the best we can. Um, you know, guilt is kind of unjustified. It doesn't help you. It actually, you kind of will then you'll feel like, oh, but I have to give them the time or I have to give them the thing. And no, you know, so check your guilt. I think, is it, is it justified? Am I really not giving them the attention they need? Do, can I try and do, to do better? What do I need to do? I mean, we have to do be a little self-reflective, I think too. And, and like you mentioned with the, you know, the oxygen mask in the airplane, right? It's like you putting that on first and then helping your kids. What are you recommending for self-care for the adults listening to this podcast? So I think we have given self-care a really bad rap um, mm-hmm. because I think we've kind of made self-care seem to be like manicures and massages and all of this quiet free time. And I would say, you know, five minutes of time to yourself can be self-care right? Five minutes of just quiet, of 
Can you take a walk around the block? Can you go sit in your car and listen to your favorite song? Can you take a drive for 10 minutes? You know, five minutes multiple times a day has been proven to be as good as an hour long, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so where you can catch those free moments, catch them. Um, And I think self-care while we also kind of, you know, is also a misnomer. It's like, Oh, it's so selfish. No, it's like the best thing you can do. It gives you recharge. It gives you, a little bit of a boost. So figure yeah. out what you like. What do you like? Do you like music? Put on your favorite music, dance around your living room. You know, what a fun thing to also do with your kids, right? Exactly. Play yep. some music, be silly, laughter, anything that just gives you a little bit of a break, right? Our, our mm. sympathetic nervous system is on overdrive for all of us. Our fight, flight, and freeze is just fighting, fighting, fighting. We need that parasympathetic side of us to kind of allow us to rest. And that five minutes gives us that boost so we're not like walking around like this and our shoulders and our ears and our like you know tense all the time absolutely (laughs) gotta put that stuff down so it's tough we don't want to walk like tense and and, you know that's we're no good to anybody you'll crash and burn and is there any particular meditation practice that you recommend to people during these times whether it's a breathing exercise or a visual or auditory meditation you know i think it's so funny. I teach like mindfulness meditation all the time and I'm the worst mm-hmm. mindful meditator ever. Um, I will own that a hundred percent. Like I, you know, but that being said, I think mindfulness and meditation comes where you find it. So for me, meditation very often happens when I'm walking my dogs. I can really be super present. I mean, I have to be on one level, right? But my phone's in my pocket. Maybe I have music on, maybe I don't, but I I find that to be a really wonderful kind of meditative way for me to start the day, that 20 minutes that I'm out with them kind of taking in whatever's going on. I also am a big fan of some of the apps that you can download to your phone that give you a guided meditation for five minutes. You know, some some of them are literally five minutes every day. And well, we just talked about the fact that five minutes could be all you need. So those are fabulous. And you can't discount the importance of breath, right? Of really taking a minute, sitting in a comfortable chair, feeling your feet firmly on the floor and just focusing on kind of breathing in and like counting to five or six and breathing out and counting to six or seven and just doing that for a couple minutes to reset your nervous system. We can't minimize the importance of that at all. And I really like what you said about walking your dogs as that being a meditation for you, because I think people think that they need to be seated in a lotus position, spine straight, quiet, atmosphere right but you don't need that you can do something that you enjoy like you were just saying um you can walk you can eat mindfully i mean really when you think about what mindfulness is at its core it's about being present yeah so in order to be present we need to slow down and we need to recognize that even though i'm trying to be present there's a thought that's gonna take my attention i'm gonna hear a noise in the other room and i'm gonna be like what's that you know i mean we're gonna be engaged in other things so i think as long as we're, we focus on the fact that if mindfulness is the idea of being present, how can I eat mindfully? And, and I joke all the time that you don't want to mindfully eat one of your favorite foods, like maybe a comfort food or a chocolate bar, because when you do that, you might realize you don't like that. I did that with Reese's peanut butter cups and now I don't like Reese's peanut butter cups anymore. So I guess Mm. like great if that was what I was trying to accomplish, but not really. So you want to like do things you enjoy. You can listen to music mindfully. You can run mindfully, you know, find the things that just in, like allow you to be present. And that's where you need to go. We had uh, David and Austin Perlmutter on the show and they were talking about these um, compounds called phytoncides, 
which are emitted by certain trees when you walk through the woods and they can have a, a positive impact on your nervous system. That's cool. So there's more reason to, to get out into nature if you can, right? If you're not under sure. quarantine to really get out there and, uh, and walk around. And I, I find that that's a, a terrific form of meditation and calming down the nervous system. 100%. And even <laughs> if you're walking, pick something to notice. Like if you're in, you know, yes. here in the city, it's easy to say, I'm going to see how many, you know, people I see wearing red, sh you know, shirts, and I can kind of focus on that. But if I were not here, and I was walking in nature, how many different color leaves can I see? Can I notice how each foot hits the ground? Can I feel my how my body feels as I move? You know, there's like you can find one thing to really focus on, yeah. which then helps kind of also helps make time go by faster. If you're a person who doesn't love to move your body, then you're like, oh, but I'm going to focus on this for 15 minutes. Oh, easy. The next thing you know, the time has gone by and you're out. Exactly. Yeah. Well, shifting gears a little bit, I'm curious mm -hmm. your thoughts on the impact that we'll call it physical distancing because we just sure. kind of differentiated that. <laughs> um, what What is the effect that that physical distancing is having on our, our younger population? Let's say mm -hmm. you know, age um, age two to two to seven, for example. Sure. Because I know for my kids, it's so odd when you go to a grocery store and there's all these little signs that say "stand here," and then the kids are very good at just looking down and saying, "Like, okay, I need to I need to stand here." Um, what what kind of imprint is that having on them, and where do you see this going? I, I mean, I think, you know, little ones are better rule followers than we than we are. Right. They're used to like standing on their line for school and like this is your spot and this is your circle and this right. is where we sit for circle time. Like in some ways, I think all of those um, signs just promote what they're learning in school. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. so I think that's they, so they get it like and 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 that age group by nature are rule followers. Right. You don't cross in New York City. Right. I watch little kids with their families all the time and they're like, no, the, the light says we don't walk yet. Like we don't walk yet, you know? Right. Um, so I think in that sense, they're good. But I think, I think one of the things I worry about, and I don't think we know enough yet what this is going to do is the impact of touch. And, and, you know, touch is such an important piece of our lives. And granted, as parents, we're giving that to our kids, but uh, kids need, you know, kids touch each other and they're grandparents and, and there's so much healthy touch that we want young people and, and, and that that age group in particular to understand and recognize yeah. that I don't want them to be so afraid of that as they get older. Um, and that is one of my big worries. I don't think we have any research on it yet. I don't think we know um, where that's going to go. But just based on research, we do have of kind of the importance of touch. We want to make sure that at home, then there's enough loving touch and teaching those things. And if you've created your own little pod that kids can do that with one another, you know, yeah. how to kind of encourage that. And I think if kids are impulsive, right? So if your four-year-old goes over to like throw their arms around their best friend, before you freak out, try and like take a breath and be like, hey, I know you want to hug your friend. And it's really, you know, at this time with things being so weird, we can't hug our friends. So what's a different way we can have a greeting? Can you give an elbow? Can you, yeah. you know, tap feet, whatever. Um, but I think we're all so anxious that the, you know, our first reaction might make more fear than it does um, promote learning. So I think that's my big fear, um, yeah. kind of what that's going to look like as they get older and we come out of quarantine. Yeah. I like that creative piece there, like the elbow bump or whatever it is, because I know, I know our kids have even, you can sense that there's this fear yeah. of humans now, like, mm -hmm. like everyone's contagious and everyone's yep. sick. And, uh, and that breaks my heart because now they're growing up not trusting people, right? Correct. Thinking that everyone's contagious and everything. And 
um, hopefully after all this is said and done, they can kind of go back to, you know, a normal life and that, that right. won't, that won't completely <laughs> permanently imprint on them. But that, yes. that is a, a concern of mine. And so I think what you said is so important that we need to be creative in other ways to connect to other people. Absolutely. Can you come up with a funny, like, you know, with grandparents, especially, can you come, since we can't necessarily hug, right? Can you come up with a funny bow or dance that you do as a greeting or any of that kind of stuff that's like fun and creative and connected, but yeah. doesn't require touch. And it's hard because we are built on that, right? Oxytocin gets released when we touch and it's, it's like the feel good, connecting love kind of hormone. And we want that to be activated. And, and I don't know that it's going to be damaged irreparably, but it's definitely going to be different than, you know, I'm a toucher. Like I touch everybody yeah. and it's very, I have to remind myself, I'm not supposed to do that. And when I do it, as an adult, I'm like, Oh my God, I wasn't supposed to, I'm so sorry. You know, <laughs> like I'm touching great. you through your jacket on your arm. I'm not really touching you. Like it oh, becomes very I challenging. Know. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I mean, we get that oxytocin release when we hug people too. And it's great. You just got to hug can, your family members more, I suppose. Yes. I think, I think, well, I think if there's a good thing. It is. It's, there's an element of building connection within your family um, and that's, and, and listen, not everybody is going to be able to do that, but if you can build healthy connection, there's something good that comes out of that, right? Yeah. Being able to be more validating and to be more present allows better connection. And that's really good for your kids and for you. Exactly. And what are your thoughts on masks and children and development of speech and everything? Like, do you have any concerns about that long-term or is that just going to, they're going to do fine with that? I think they're going to do fine with that. I think, you know, it sucks. We all have to be in masks. And I think for kids, it's hard. And I think facial recognition is hard, yeah. but I think it's, I think they'll, they're so resilient. Like they're little resilient beings and we have to remember that and that they will figure it out. And, and there will be ways to teach, you know, the more creative teachers get, they're going to teach way. And because they're still getting facial expression on screens, it's not the same, but they're still getting it. So right. I think, I think it'll be okay. And I think we're going to be kind of doing a lot of social, I think if anything, what I hope comes out of this is the need for social emotional learning will bump up to the top of the list of importance yeah. within schools, because we are going to have to be really reteaching kind of connection and feelings and understanding perspectives from other people in a way we might not have had to do before. Right. Right. And what type of stress management practices do you have for, for the little ones? Any you, anything in particular? Yeah, you can do great breathing exercises with little ones. One of the things I love to do with little ones is have them imagine, and sometimes we draw it out, kind of um, when we want to do breathing, smelling the flower, smelling a flower. So like breathing in through their nose to smell a flower, and then blowing out a candle, so they can learn how to like breathe in through their nose really slowly, and then breathe out through their mouth, mm -hmm. like kind of in the, like how you because you don't blow out a candle with like your whole mouth open, you go real slow. So. So, and it, if they're like, I don't like flowers, well, what's their favorite thing to smell, right? <laughs> Inevitably you get somebody. So what's their favorite thing to smell? Smell that. And so we can kind of come up with some of that and like different imagery that they can use. Um, there's a lot of great kids yoga stuff that you can do that's yeah. really fun for them, that slows them down. And kids need to move. Yeah. So have a dance party, right? Like have have them what can how can you get the yayas out like let's have a yaya party like and everybody moves around and jumps up and down like shake it out however you need to and mm -hmm. i think all of those things are important and quiet time is important right like we used to use timeout as punishment but timeout was really meant to be a time for us to reset our bodies like it became punishment but it was really meant to be like go reset calm down 
So let's reinvent timeout as a way for all, like, let's all just calm down. Like it's a calm down corner instead of a timeout corner, um, which can be really helpful to teach kids that they have control over how to regulate themselves. Right. Right. Okay. Well, before we wrap up today, is there anything else that you want to let our audience know about what you've been seeing in your patient population or what you're doing? I think, I think it's important for all of us as adults to recognize that we're anxious too. And it's okay to model that and express that to our kids. Um, Because I think there's this belief, like, don't show emotion. And I think the way your kids understand emotion is if you show emotion. So if you're worried, I mean, listen, we don't want to burden them with like, oh my God, I'm so afraid and all of you, right? But if you're like, wow, this is really overwhelming. Like we're still stuck home. Like, God, I'm so frustrated. How do you feel? I think it gives some really amazing opportunity for conversation and for real modeling on like, how to express those challenging emotions. Emotions aren't good or bad, just some are more challenging than others. So so I think that's one of the things I'm trying to encourage, you know, and that you're all gonna get frustrated with each other, right? Where our circles are smaller by kind of design right now. So we don't have the distractions we might want. So recognize that everybody's gonna be a little bit more on edge and give everybody a little bit of a pass maybe, <laughs> including <Yeah>. yourself. <laughs> great point. It's a great point. Well, for our, our wellness wisdom segment here, as we end, um, if you had one big, simple pearl of wisdom for all mm-hmm. our parents listening with helping their kids manage stress and anxiety. I mean, we talked about meditation and sort of the breathing right. exercise you mentioned, but what else, what else would you recommend? Right. I have, I have two. Yes. Two is okay. I'm, break, I'm breaking the rules. Okay. So <laughs> the first one is listen more, talk less. Hmm. <laughs> um, and, and just to kind of explain that, I think we try and talk for our kids and we don't actually hear what they're saying. And oh. so sit back. If you can't do it, like literally put your hands under your legs to remind yourself to like sit on your hands yeah. and let them tell you how they're feeling and let them talk to you. Um, don't rush to fill in the blanks because you might be wrong and then you're shutting them down. So my first one is always listen more, talk less. And my second one is everything can wait five minutes. You don't need to decide right then. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, most of the time it's not life or death. So take a break, sit on it, wait, doesn't matter. But but pretty much everything can wait five minutes. So I'll credit that one to my brother. I stole it from him. And, you know, can I I add on one more thing to that? that Mm -hmm. I'd love it for audience to know, too, that sometimes your kids may not directly talk to you about something that's bothering them, but they may kind of indirectly talk about it. Like I know my son held up this stuffed animal one time and talked about how the stuffed animal was feeling sad. And I yes. was like, oh, maybe that's something that he's feeling inside too. So yep. Yep. Uh, be open to different ways of expressing. 100% yeah. be open to all of that. And like you might be working and your teenager, this is especially true of teenagers, is lurking by the door. They want to talk to you. They're not there to just be annoying, but they don't know how to come in and be like, hey, can we chat? So Right. Notice, notice the subtleties because those are, those are the times that you get much more information than you realize. Yes. Yes. Well, Dr. Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I I certainly learned a lot. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Stay safe. You too. Thanks. That's our show for today, folks. If you have a question or an idea for a show topic, please send us an email or share a post with us on Facebook. And remember, If you like what you heard today and you want to be an active member of the Be Healthistic community, subscribe to our podcast at BeHealthisticPodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your favorites. You can also find more great content and information from us and the Healthy Directions team at HealthyDirections.com. 
I'm Dr. Drew Sinatra, and this is Be Healthistic. Thanks for listening to Be Healthistic, powered by our friends at Healthy Directions with Drs. Drew and Steve Sinatra. See you next time.